Well, agility rhymes with stability, so... The soundbite. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to As You Like It, a Cisco podcast about uncovering the future of business and technology as a service. I'm your host, Simon Piff, Vice President of IDC at APAC. Forrest Gump famously said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. But for a very long time, chocolates were no longer a matter of fate. Detailed guides of fillings and flavors came printed behind the boxes, making life simple. But the control was lost with the pandemic, where it felt like someone threw out the guide and we were back to no longer knowing what we're going to get. Just like Forrest's chocolate box, workplaces too have become places of unpredictability and uncertainty, especially from the point of view of business leaders. Dealing with employees is no longer a one-size-fits-all approach, where flexibility has become necessary moving forward. The pressure is intensified with the great resignation and talent shortages, which leave businesses scrambling to retain their employees. In this episode, we discuss how businesses need to put digital agility right at the center of their strategy in order to tackle all these complex challenges. Joining me today is Alexandra Zaguri, Vice President, Partner Managed and As a Service, Global Partner Sales at Cisco, and Zarawar Singh, Head of Product at Optus Enterprise. Join us to discuss understanding the future workplace. So Alexandra, let's start with you. The new workplace is a hybrid workspace. But to get creating a functional hybrid workspace, businesses are confronted with many unexpected challenges. What are some of the most important considerations for businesses when restructuring? Yeah, that's a great question that every single business is right now facing. And I think the trick is in the word itself, hybrid, hybrid work, which means that the first challenge is that you have to plan for multiple scenarios, hybrid, at work, at home, anywhere. And so you have to, first of all, define what it's going to look like. Second challenge and consideration is the level of investment you are willing to take to accommodate this new way of work. Are you going to invest just in the new office spaces? Are you going to invest in how your employees are set up at home? What kind of security products? What kind of collaboration products? And you're going to have to find solutions for all these challenges. The really interesting part, which hopefully we're starting to get at, is how you're going to rebuild the physical hybrid infrastructure at the office. What is that new way of working is going to look like? And once you've like really figured out how that is going to play out, then you're going to have the additional challenges of managing in this new age. How do you define and track productivity? How can you use applications and different tools to help you do that? And what kind of leadership are you going to need as these situations change? And this is affecting cultures in a different way, depending on different cultures had different styles of leadership. So quite a few considerations and they go across different realms. This is why this is going to take some time to figure out. Zorua, Optus is famous for offering the uh, work from home for your support services right at the beginning of the pandemic. You said, yeah, we're going to do this work from home. So you obviously have the skills, but what kind of thing are you seeing in the customer space? What are they looking for and what are they missing? I think in the hybrid workplace thing, what's really important, first of all, for our customers and us holistically think about is the intent. I think once you make the intent that, yes, we're going to commit to hybrid workplace, 
there is the right technology and there is the right ways and means of working to enable it to happen. Now, what we discovered as an organization very early on was once the intent is flown through, barring a few functions where you always end up with a few operational functions, hybrid is a way and means that you can make happen. It has become clear that employees now have very different expectations from their workplace than they did pre-pandemic. How are these expectations impacting business decisions when it comes to technology transformation? The big resignation employees have not only spoken, they've started acting. 69% of global CIOs, IT decision makers, and office workers say that the ability to dictate working hours is over, right? And 64% of employees say that the ability to work remotely will affect whether they stay or leave the job that they're in. So businesses can't ignore this fact right now. And as they build strategy, they need to become agile in their approach because things are going to change. And that's exactly what agility means. It means that a business can change as things change around them. So I think there's the piece around workplace culture, but there's also the piece around, which is really interesting, that now businesses are open to a, a much more diverse pool of talent. They have access to talent like they've never had before. So they're going to have to reimagine the workplace from a customer and an employee experience. And this means that they have a great opportunity to relook at how they are consuming and deploying IT. And they can turn to partners like Optus in helping them on that journey, right? With Optus and Cisco, there's a really new way of how you can deliver some of these new IT outcomes and why we're seeing an increase in managed services. They don't need to invest in infrastructure the way that they did before. They need to consume technology in different ways. They don't know what the tool it is that they need today versus the tool that they will use tomorrow. Like Zorar said, once they have that intent, once they have that plan, then there are lots of different options. But it will be really interesting to see how different companies interpret this. At the end of the day, they have to ensure that their employees, wherever they are, have access to these services, to the applications that make the business running, and most importantly, that it's all delivered in a secure and agile way. Yeah, I think the secure and agile underpins everything that we're trying to do. And employees demanding the agility, the time to work where they want is really interesting because ultimately we're all trying to serve customers. So there's got to be a little bit of control where our employees are available when our customers expect. So uh, I think there's some challenges for organizations moving forward, which requires that agility you're talking about. But Zara, well, let me ask you, I mean, agility, it's a buzzword these days, a summation of intangible factors. Feels like you can apply it to almost any situation. So what does agility mean when we talk about IT and managed service providers? When you talk about the word agility, everybody's first reaction is, that agility means you can change very rapidly. But if you think about it deeply and you get into the literature and you do a few of these programs, I think agility very quickly, you realize, becomes setting the foundations in a way that allow change to happen in a controlled manner. And that's really important, right? So taking proactive decisions that allow change to happen in a proactive manner with the least amount of implications to the organization is what agility ends up meaning. In the common language where agility has now become a buzzword for we can change our decisions on a daily basis and the technology, everything needs to adapt to it, is not really the reason agile as a concept came back. 
But I'd like to add one more perspective to this entire conversation as well, right? It, and it's a perspective that we as an organization, along with a few conversations, has got realized over the period of the pandemic. If you think about the conversation we're having in the hybrid workplace, a very interesting parallel to draw is how businesses have been investing in technology to interact with the consumers. So if you think about all the investment and the infrastructure that has happened, let's say from the dot-com boom in the 2000s till today, interactions with companies, customers are very easy, seamless, can happen anywhere and always happen with the same experience. It doesn't matter if you walk into a store. It doesn't matter if you talk to them on a mobile phone. It doesn't matter you look at them through a web application. It all interacts. I think the conversation that's happening right now is, how do we take all of that work and investments that companies have spent in interacting well with customers and take those learnings and employ them back into the employee base? And how do we interact with our employees and give them the same experience? Because what the pandemic has exposed is talent and the fight for talent is going to be the new battleground on how companies win. And remember, all of our employees are customers first. They all became employees after they were customers. So they're all used to this experience and they're not getting it when they're coming into the workplace. So that's where I think the mindset shift in organizations need to happen is that if you want to win the war for talent, how an employee interacts with an organization and the infrastructure that enables it has to be very close to how they as a customer interact with other organizations because otherwise it feels very different. That is so interesting. That's the whole concept that Customer experience starts with the employee experience, and it's very true, right? Another big theme that is emerging is this concept of how that's actually changing organizational culture. In traditional management books, we used to think of the organization as a machine and with a hierarchy, and then there were the silos and a lot of bureaucracy. And what the hybrid work has also brought upon us is this concept of from organizations that are machines to organizations that are organisms, that are living organisms and that acknowledge the living organisms within the biggest living organism. And a lot of the agile literature talks about this, has really looked at how do we build teams differently? It's given us the possibility of rethinking, of taking actually some of the work that you see in IT with the two pizza teams and the tribes from Spotify, the two pizza teams, I think, from Amazon, and thinking about how you organize teams flexibly so that those resources can be deployed as you need new talent. It's less about organizational silos and more around end-to-end accountability and where leadership is more around direction and action versus a static hierarchy. It's really positive thing from the change we're seeing right now. But it also means that every single company on the planet is going through transformation at the moment, which is a huge opportunity for all of us to enable that transformation. To that point, Alexandra, can you talk a little bit about how do you support your service providers in delivering on that concept of agility, even though it's so intangible? I think we support in different ways. First of all, of course, with the technology and how we build and design that technology for our service providers to provide a managed services. But we've also are really rethinking about our sales models and how we go to market with providers. 
I was listening to another podcast and it's interesting. I think the age of the ego system is changing to the age of the ecosystem. So we have to really redefine how we partner with our service providers. And in some ways, the success is really about the more value we provide to our ecosystem, to our partners versus the value that we provide to ourselves. That's how we actually, we have to think about our partners first. And that's exactly what we've been doing as we've launched our managed services a strategy with our providers. We're really relooking at those partnership models and we're organizing our teams around offer development so that we have a very tight integration into our business units to ensure that the products that are being designed are purpose for our providers as they go and offer these managed services. We have service creation teams that we deploy to help them build these services. And then we have a new way of looking at sales acceleration and sales execution about how we partner with them to ensure that we're delivering the outcome that our customers need. Sounds like a, a true partnership with yourself and the partners, which is, I think, something Cisco has excelled with in the past. So expect to see great things from you in the future as well. Curious to know, is there a roadmap? So Zora, let me just start with you on this one, because you talked quite eloquently on agility. Is there a roadmap that businesses can follow to become more agile? You know, what kind of steps are involved determining the right solutions that will enable agility across their infrastructure? And I also want to add into this, I mean, as we move to that agility, whilst you said it's, you know, change in a controlled manner, I'm pleased you said that because all too often we see agility at the expense of security. So what are the kind of things that you advise customers to think about as they're traveling on that journey? A few aspects, right? Let's talk about this in the concept of the hybrid workplace, right? So when we talk to the customer that, so we say it's like a three-legged stool. So you have to think about all three aspects in each way, right? Number one is setting up your foundations so that meaningful change can be made without larger implications, right? Which is where the as-a-service model has the right financial inputs into it and also has the right technology inputs behind it because it allows you to sign up for outcomes as opposed to just a core technology. So that's one core foundation to start thinking about that. The second core foundation in the hybrid workplace is your location strategy. That's really important as well. And when I say location is what are you going to support? What are you not going to support? What are your organization's red lines? What are you going to do in the physical office? Because a lot of companies will still have come in for one day a week or once a month or once a quarter to just keep driving that bit of collaboration and meet everyone. So what is your location strategy? What are your expectations of your people in terms of what's going to happen in the office, what's going to happen at home and the entire in transit area between it? Being very clear about that is super important as well because that has implications on real estate strategy and the reason we talk about that a lot is because the real estate strategy then creates funding to invest in all of these technology changes because we have to look about these as commercial decisions. And the third aspect of it, which is really important, has built in, is, is how you're going to secure all of this element. Because if you do not do this in a secure way, it's going to unravel pretty quickly. So I think those are the three stools we talk about very clearly. Like be very clear in setting yourself up in an as-a-service sort of models, which which sign up for outcomes, because then the technology conversation, you can leave to the experts in a service provider or the actual technology creator like Cisco, right? So you can, can create that up pretty well. As an organization, you may go from, you know, 100 employees to 1,000 employees in two weeks. 
doesn't matter. You have an as a service model, you just scale up, scale down. It's not like you have to go buy 10 more servers and 100 more headsets and all of that. It just works seamlessly. So if we talk about those three legs of this tool to get a stable approach that can then be built upon, and then you can drive innovation on top of it. And you can have, you know, you can start talking about like today, people are talking about augmented reality conferences. So we've been experimenting with a few customers on that, but I think they're still a long way away. But they then start creating, you know, in-person gestural communications, which we still lose a lot of in video conferences. Augmented reality video conferences. I actually sold the idea of virtual reality video conferences to a Singapore telco back in the uh, late 90s. But obviously the technology wasn't capable, <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> okay, back on topic. Alexandra, I mean, Cisco must have some concept on roadmaps uh, that organizations can follow. Have you got some thoughts that you can share with uh, listeners? It's, it's very similar to what Zara is saying, right? I like to think of agile organizations have five qualities to them. The technology, right? The ability to deploy the next generation enabling technology, which starts with that decision to really move to as a service and ensure that you have somebody really taking care of that for you. Because the war for talent is going to mean you're not going to have the skills you need immediately there. So this is where a partnership between Cisco and Optus is really important because it delivers that to the organization, that choice. The second is, of course, the people. And this is more on the cultural side. You need that shift from the way that organizations were organized to this more living organization, the concept of community, right? And how you're going to get people to stay in touch if they're in these hybrid work environments. Another one that comes up is process, right? How are you going to reimagine these new ways of working? And this is where technology is so important because by moving to hybrid work, your workflows change completely. How workflows enable that experience is going to be really, really important. And that's all down to the choice of the technology, the apps that you choose to do that. That's where some of our applications like WebEx are so important because they not only enable video conferencing, they enable calling, they label meetings. Believe it or not, at some point, hologram. So maybe, Simon, we can finally deliver on the idea that you had. And then there's you're going to probably have to structure your teams differently but last but not least is it's all about that North Star and sitting down with your provider partner and your technology partner and really reimagining what does that North Star look like as you reimagine work. And that's going to be really interesting. It's a journey. There's some things you're going to get right and there's some things that you're going to have to change and calibrate as you go along. The last few years, IDC have been looking at things like you know, digital transformation and what powers digital transformation is a solid workforce. And so we've got some research around future of work, which looks at business culture, the work environment and the technologies. But age of the workforce is changing. The requirements of customers are changing. And I like what Zorawa said uh, earlier on about having, you know, ensuring that you've got the right infrastructure in place so that changes can be agile, but in a controlled manner without larger implications, which is, I think, critical because that dynamism that agility demands means you've got to still be anchored in something while you're shooting for the North Star you mentioned there, Alexandra. Well, agility rhymes with stability, so... The soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that uh, agility rhymes with stability. It really describes the paradigm around how you balance the paradox of truly agile organizations that are both stable and dynamic at the same time. That's awesome. If that doesn't make it to the final cut, I'm shooting something. <laughs> 
So being agile isn't just about tackling present-day challenges. It's also about preparing your IT infrastructure and adapting preemptively to future challenges. What does the future look like in your opinion, Alexandra? What will the market employees expect next? It's really interesting. For me, it's how we reimagine the return to the office. While back, I saw an article that said, the only way you're going to get people back into the office is with FOMO. Because those work rituals are really, really important. That part of the culture of work. And at Cisco, we've been working hybrid for quite a long time, but we had certain cultural rituals that enabled us to keep that sense of community, that connectedness. It's going to start there because people are all in this suspense state, like hybrid work. But what does that actually mean? Because like I said at the beginning, hybrid means remote. It means the physical and it means the working from anywhere. So the part that we still don't know what it looks like is that return to the office. And what's interesting is I think you can look to the big tech companies. It's very interesting that they've been making huge investments into physical real estate all over the world. So they are really starting to reimagine what this physical hybrid workplace is going to look like. And I think it's really going to be about, you're going to have to meet, you're going to have to have a reason. So it's all about collaboration, brainstorming, connectedness, community. And I think that's what the market and employees are waiting to hear is what does that look like in a safe environment. Thanks, Alexandra. And for the other boomers on the line, I understand FOMO stands for fear of missing out, right? (laughs) That's indeed (laughs) it. Yes. (laughs) Zorua, what's your future looking like? I mean, is it the same as Alexandra? You got some thoughts to share there, please? I think I agree with everything Alexandra said. I think one more add I'll put into this is that the kind of organizations we work with, one more trend that the hybrid workplace will have to account for is, is the gigs economy. The entire concept about people coming in, doing an assignment and moving on, we call them consultants right now. But the entire concept of the right person for the right job at the right time will become more and more prevalent. So I do foresee a future in, say, you know, a year or four somewhere where if I, for an example, need some help in doing some, say, pricing for a particular product, I end up, you know, working for two weeks with somebody maybe in Switzerland. But how do we enable that to happen quickly? How do they get them on the infrastructure that we as an organization have set up and running so we're not spending a week setting somebody up to do three weeks piece of work and then leaving so that entire concept of a gigs economy will come into our organizations much much more because that's where the younger generation is going so we have to think about that a bit as well yeah i think here at idc we kind of consider that uh, right sourcing right so what point do you leverage just a short-term contract but it's also an extension of the whole talking to service providers and i've said many many times you know organizations technologically need to invest in technology that delivers core competitive differentiation. If you don't have the skills and it doesn't add business value, then you should be looking at a partner to help deliver on that. So some thoughts for the future. I think it's going to be delivering on that agility to where you source from, how you source, how you think about delivering the right environment for you, the employees to ensure that your customers are getting the delight that they expect in the future. So, this is your chance to anything you didn't get a chance to say. Zarawa, you're first. There's one more thing in this concept, right? We've been looking into and it's coming up much more in conversations. And it's the entire concept of a mobility-driven workplace, right? So any work you do needs to start happening more so on a mobile device as opposed to any other device. 
And this concept actually came up in a conversation with the CIO of a big bank. I end up paying like $1,500 to equip each of my employee with a laptop. I end up paying, you know, $1,000 to get all the tech onto it. And then suddenly I realized that this guy also has a $2,000 phone that I give him, which actually has more computing power than the laptop. And I'm actually not using it for anything except for calling. So like, I think a lot of our customers have started thinking about what that means. So, so the device strategy that underpins a hybrid or mobile, I think is going to start going way more to the mobile phone than the laptop. That's where a change will start happening as well. I love that concept because it's very tied to how you reimagine the workspace because your computer can be your phone and then it's how you enable everything on your phone to quickly be on, on a screen securely, log you out, log you in and things like that as you move along. And the, the technology exists. It's just the way of working is still taking some time for people to go from I need my iPad, or I need my laptop, I need my phone to just one device. So that's a really great call out for what the future could look like. I don't think he's going to go to one device, though, by the way, just so as you know, because I use my phone an awful lot to consume content. But creation, I'm traditionalist. I need a bigger keyboard to create, right? Unless we change the input style. So I've actually started dictating a lot of the reports. And that's good, but then I have to go back and edit them. So I think it's the right device for the right purpose. So if you are a, a content creator, you want the ultra wide screen and the huge, you know, flashing lights. And if you're just consuming information or looking at data, then you can potentially do that on a, a smaller device. So I think something organizations need to think about as they're taking that journey. And I totally agree, Zoro. It's it is a huge shift towards putting more and more onto the mobile device. So that's an interesting point because we're seeing an increased demand from employees that they don't want access cards, they don't want biometrics, stuff that they don't have to touch. So IDC just recently moved to a new office in Singapore, it's facial biometrics. So as you're walking towards the door, the camera recognizes you and either does or does not open the door for you. So that's kind of useful. Well, but that's where security is going, right? Like there is a big movement to end all passwords and move much more to biometrics or dynamic security, right? So that's a definitely a field that's that's coming and we already see it. We've got our single sign-ons. With Duo, we provide that authentication. Just with your face ID, you'll see that move very quickly. So I'm looking forward to virtual input devices and biometrics everywhere. And my kids are already living that world, so never mind. Alexandra Zorua, that was a fascinating conversation. So thank you very much for your time, Zorua. Thank you, Simon. It was a pleasure. And thank you very much, Alexandra. Thank you, Simon. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of As You Like It, a Cisco podcast where we uncover the future of business and technology as a service. I hope you will join me for the next episode where we'll uncover the challenging complexities of business technology and how technology as a service can make IT simpler. Till then, I'm Simon Piff, your host. Speak to you next time.